Eagles Entertainment. With the 10th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and it's time to get you ready for rivalry week here in college football. And I've got two people on the show to help me do exactly that. We're going to start things off with Saturday scouting where myself, Ben Fennel, we're going to get you ready for this week in college football. We've got matchups. We've got who, who can help themselves the most in one of the biggest weeks of the regular season. And we've got a mock draft to break down. But first, before we get there, we are going to break down a bunch of the new names that have come across uh, the, the timeline here from an all-star game acceptance standpoint. So the top names that are confirmed for the Shrine Bowl, some new announcements here for the Senior Bowl. We'll be breaking that down with Ben right at the top of the show. Then we're going to get into the rest of this college football slate with Ross Tucker, pick six. He and I are tied up at this point in the season with our weekly pick segment. We're going to see who could take the lead this week with this great slate of games in college football right at the end of the show. Now, again, before we get things rolling, the number one way to, to, for you to help us out is to go on to Apple Podcasts. Make sure you leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. If you've got a question, a mock draft, player rankings you want us to break down, whatever it is, we will do it. But the best way to place that is to go on to Apple Podcasts and leave it there in the comment box. Not only do we help you, but it also helps us promote the show, boosts us up the rankings for other people that are looking for NFL Draft podcasts. Really appreciate everybody that has thrown us your support here this season, especially over these last few weeks as more and more people are starting to get more interested in the NFL Draft. That said, let's get going. I'm excited to start talking through some of the matchups for this week. But number one, these all-star game announcements, we're going to do that right here in Saturday Scouting. It's time for Saturday Scouting. All right, let's get into some Saturday scouting here as I welcome in Ben Fennell. And Ben, as we've started these last couple of segments uh, here over the last couple of episodes, we're going to do uh, all-star game announcements. And we've got some Shrine Bowl names to go through as they've made official a handful of names over these last few days. We'll start with Indiana wide receiver Ty Freifogel. This is a guy that you actually put me on to last year, I remember, uh, as Indiana was really heating up in the Big Ten. Uh, what does Freifogel bring to the NFL? Yeah, Fry Fogel, a fifth-year senior there at Indiana, played opposite of Watt Fillier for a lot of those years at Indiana. But he's a guy with good size at 6'2", 215, maybe even 220 by the time draft time. Incredible catches at the catch point. He's competitive. He's really tough, has strong hands, a bunch of one-handed grabs. Watch any of his Ohio State tape against some top-flight corners. The big issue is, does he have enough speed and separation to survive in the NFL? Kind of a catch point guy. Typically, those 50-50 balls not as high percentage in the NFL. So Ty Freifogel, we want to see if he's got the speed and the separation to survive on Sundays. Uh, an offensive lineman, I want to make sure we hit on Kellen Deesh from Arizona State. Uh, he is a PFF darling. I haven't done a, a super deep dive yet on Kellen Deesh, but uh, I know he was one of their top offensive linemen coming into the year. Uh, he's been very productive by a lot of their metrics in terms of pressures allowed and win rate and, and a lot of those things that uh, they put a lot of stock in. And he is a guy that has been very high on their board uh, really throughout the course of his career. And this is a guy that's played plenty of football out there in the desert for Herm Edwards. A couple of Arizona State kids we will hit on here. But before we get to the other Sun Devil that was announced. Uh, let's get into the trenches on the defensive side of the football. Taylor Humphrey from Arkansas State, a defensive tackle uh, that, Ben, this this is a kid that 
when you look at his athletic traits, uh, very, very intriguing. He was on the freak list uh, this past season when you, when uh, with, with Bruce Feldman. Um, this is a guy that's got an outstanding wingspan, and the movement skills are absolutely there. Really, really impressive player. Uh, and then another guy, I kind of teased him earlier, Jack Jones, the corner from Arizona State. Uh, we, t- we talked about him last week here on the show with Eric Galco. Well, Shrine Bowl announced him as an acceptance here uh, this week. Yeah, Taylor Humphrey, don't forget, he's from uh, Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns down there. Ah, yes, good call. Not, yes. not Arkansas State, not Arkansas State. Uh, although similar colors and logos and stuff like that. But Louisiana, really good players on both sides of the ball. We talked about some of their offensive linemen, Osiris Torrance, Max Mitchell. We had talked about heading to the Senior Bowl. Taylor Humphrey, Zion Hill on that defensive line, really fun players. But Taylor Humphrey, 6'5", nearly 340, nose tackle, run plugger, but he can get up the field and collapse some pockets too. Plays a ton of snaps for mm. being nearly 340 pounds, rarely comes off the field. Juco transfer initially at Florida International. He's a guy that reminds me a lot of like a Jordan Phillips or maybe even like a Kwame Gathers is like a like that. name. Just Pretty massive, cool. massive nose tackles. He's a huge, huge body. Yeah, uh, and conversely, Jack Jones from Arizona State, the corner, uh, kind of reminds me of Pac-Man Jones when he was coming out of West Virginia. Now, Pac-Man was a he was a top ten, top fifteen pick. Jack Jones not going to be in that discussion, but I think when you look at what Pac-Man Jones turned into in the NFL as kind of a, a really quick, undersized corner with also some special teams chops as well uh, to be able to return punts. I think Jack Jones has that kind of skill set. Uh, let's bounce this back to you for another corner here, Jacoby Durant, South Carolina State, one of the top players in the MIAC coming out uh, here this year. South Carolina State, a really nice pipeline to the NFL. Yeah, they've been pumping out pros each year, whether it's our own Javon Hargrave, whether it's uh, Darius Leonard, who took a huge contract this past year at Indianapolis Colts, to Kobe Durant, a little undersized at 5'11", maybe 175, 180, but he's a ball hawk and he's feisty and he's a good tackler, four-year starter. I think he had four interceptions in the spring ball. Remember FCS played last spring. One of those games, he had three interceptions and one and a half. Huge freshman year. Yep. Showed up, played Clemson this year, Fran. He showed up, but he had two interceptions that day, if I'm not mistaken. He was a guy that was a first-team All-American last year in the HBCU. He's a guy that's lived up to it every year despite the high expectations. Quarterbacks keep throwing at him, and he keeps breaking up passes out there. So love to see him take that All-Star game invite, and let's see uh, against some more Power 5 FBS players. Yeah, he's a, a really interesting player. And I think you could say the same thing about Daryl Baker from Georgia Southern. Uh, different body type. He's six foot, uh, you know, right around 200 pounds. He was a good size corner, six one, six foot. Uh, and he's got traits. He was on uh, Bruce Feldman's freak list as well. Uh, can jump out of the gym, ran low, low four four. So traits are absolutely there. What I love from him about him from a profile standpoint as well is that he began his career as a uh, nickel safety. That was where he spent most of his career just these last two seasons playing outside a corner. I'd like to see him get a little bit better against the the run. I don't think he's great getting off blocks. He's not great at finishing tackles right now. But I think when you look at his skill set, there's no reason to think that this guy can't come in and be a core special teamer. He's done a little bit of that over the course of his career. He's been a starter on multiple units for multiple years down there for Georgia Southern, who consistently puts impressive athletes into the NFL coming from that recruiting base. And I think when you look at uh, Daryl Baker, no reason he can't. You know, it was funny. I was thinking of uh, a current Eagle in Andre Sachere, who's got that versatility on the back end of the Eagles roster. There, when you and when you look at Baker, he could be, be that kind of player who outstanding gunner. Um, you know, has the ability that he's got that skill set at that length, that speed. Uh, that's something to look at there with Daryl Baker, someone to, to project here moving forward. And then we got one more corner, uh, Kalen Barnes from Baylor. I know nothing about Kalen Barnes, Ben. Uh, school me up here. 
So he's a guy that's been playing out of cornerback for Baylor for nearly three years. He's been on the field for almost four years his entire time at Baylor. Sometimes these young kids who get on the field right away, <clears throat> excuse me, come at the expense of special teams contributions. He's one of those guys that really hasn't done a lot on special teams, but he's been on the field a whole bunch for the Baylor Bears. He's a guy with good ball skills, got three interceptions, 10 PBUs in his career, a little undersized, about 185 or so. Can you get bumped around in the route against some bigger receivers? If I'm not mistaken, I think Colin Johnson might have uh, beat him above the rim a couple times there in some of those Baylor Texas. As Colin Johnson but, did. Yep, and that's what he does out there. And, uh, you know, just being an experienced guy in the Big 12 out there, he's a feisty guy. Reminds me a little bit of maybe Kevin Peterson that came out of Oklahoma State a couple years ago. Okay. Uh, but he's an experienced guy, and we'll see if he's got some tools to survive in the NFL. All right, let's get to the safety spot. Two safeties to hit on here before we get to the senior bowl. Mark Reese Bell uh, from Florida A&M. He's a really physically imposing kid. And it's the guy that we've broken down here on the show in the past. Uh, 6'3", 205 pounds. I actually compared him to Jaquiski Tart when Jaquiski was coming out uh, of Samford. I think they have very, very similar body types. When you look at Bell, he was a former big-time recruit. He was a, a four-star athlete recruit uh, out of Jersey. Ended up going to Maryland. Didn't work out in Maryland. He transferred after one year. Goes to junior college. Ends up at Florida A&M and has been a starter the last couple of years uh, when you look at him good athlete long strider striker on contact really consistent tackler good blitzer he navigates traffic well he can play through contact that's the big difference between him and tart is that when tart was coming out, i remember studying him i think it was 2012 uh 2013 Tart was kind of all over the place, but he was a, a big height, weight, speed, safety. They were very, very similar body type. I think Bell's a better football player right now than Tart was when he was coming out of Samford. Uh, he, he was at the he was at the Senior Bowl that year. I think when you look at, at what uh, th this kid can be, he can be a starting safety uh, in the NFL. And I think when you you look at that skill set, uh, this is a guy that can do a lot on the back end of a defense, kind of a kind of a low school uh, Xavier McKinney, like something in that kind of mold as well, if you want to throw that around. Uh, I think he's got that level of positional versatility, Ben. Uh, take us home here with another Louisiana product. We talked about uh, Taylor Humphrey earlier, Percy Butler uh, from, uh, from Louisiana. Yeah, about six foot, 193-year starter for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns out there. He can come down in the box and be a really good run defender, but he's a safety with coverage skills on the back end. He's a guy that plays the ball extremely well in the air. He's got good toughness. He can play out in space and really defend the slot. Special teams contributor. I think that type of profile, just being experienced, good size, run defender, ball skills, special teams. Playing at Louisiana, accept the all-star game, play against some better competition out there. Let's see if maybe have some more natural coverage skills and can, can convert to a uh, maybe like a Demarius Randall type of player, a guy that was a safety. He realized he could cover down at the senior bowl. Next thing you know, he's a first-round pick to the Packers, and he's playing corner. Percy Butler may be that type of player. Interesting. I know. I know. Uh, some people are really, really high on Butler and what he can be. Uh, let's now get over to the Senior Bowl. A bunch of other names that have been announced uh, since we last uh, have broken down these players. We did the offense on this show last week. We did the defense uh, early this week on Monday. Now let's talk about uh, some of these. I, I got to come to you first. We just, you just did Percy Butler, but uh, I feel like I need to come to you for Abram Smith uh, from Baylor, running back. This is one of your guys for sure. Yeah, there's a hell of a tandem down there at Baylor. Running back Tristan Ebner in a little bit of a different package, more of a pass-catching running back out there. But Abram Smith, he's about 5'11", 225, absolute bruiser, tough to take down, good short yardage back, and he's up to 12 or 13 touchdowns this year. But the funny thing is, he played linebacker last year. They were in a pinch of linebacker. All of a sudden, he converted to the other side of the ball. Looked pretty good doing it. Love it. Flipped back over to the offensive side this year, and it's been really productive. They have some good guard center combos in front of him as well. Those Baylor Bears playing really good football this year. There's competitive NFL prospects on both sides of the ball. But Abram Smith, 
one of the darlings at the running back position with really good size. Yeah, Matt Rule and that staff did a great job of kind of stocking the cupboard, and Dave Aranda has just kept that train rolling from a recruiting standpoint and development standpoint. And really quick, Fran, if you just look across Sundays and some of the best running backs across the NFL, they're all 220, 225, yeah. whether it's Good obviously boys. the freak show, Derek Henry's, but you know, you have Joe Mixon's and Dalvin Cook's of the world. And these guys have good Jonathan Taylor's 225 off his five touchdown game. These guys with good size are typically the ones that survive in the NFL for the most part. Obviously, we all want our gadgety backs and our scat backs on third down, but first and second down running the ball, mm. you better have size. And there aren't a whole lot that come out of Saturdays anymore that are in that 220, 230 uh, kind of range. No, it's a good call uh, on your part for sure. Uh, let's get to the wide receiver position. Jahan Dotson, the big news on Tuesday evening from the Senior Bowl. Uh, star receiver from Penn State, and one of the best receivers in the Big Ten. This guy catches everything. Uh, I broke him down after I studied him a couple weeks ago. Uh, he catches everything thrown his direction. Uh, there have been, I've talked with some people who've compared him kind of like a, a Diet Coke version of a Devontae Smith. I don't think he's quite as crafty as Devontae, not as good off the line or as a route runner. He's got chops there, but I don't think it's quite to the level of Devontae Smith, obviously. Um, but I think when you look at Dotson and that skill set, he could be that kind of player. He could take the top off. He could be a threat at all three levels. But I, I just love him at the catch point. He never lifts the ball, uh, hit the ground. Another speed threat, uh, Khalil Shakir from Boise State, also uh, going to Mobile. Yeah, he's really in a similar package to John yeah. Dotson. Just a little, you know, thin frame guy, but a three-level receiver. And what I mean by that is he could win quick game, yards after catch, and just being creative with the ball, win with the route in the intermediate section. And then he could take the top off with his speed and win vertically. He's a good returner. They would give him a ton of rushing attempts as well. A lot of wildcat quarterback stuff, end arounds, jet sweeps. You just want to get the ball in his hands. Unfortunately, as he was featured a a little bit more this year in that Boise offense got a lot more targets he's up to 106 targets this year Fran yeah. he's now into double digit drops yep so he's a guy that occasionally gets bumped in the route bumped at the catch point yep. not a big frame a couple of concentration drops want to see how natural his hands are and typically down at these all-star games you get a really good profile if they have natural hands or if they're fighting the ball just a little bit Mm, that's a that's a good call. Uh, looking at the tight end spot, uh, I feel like they've they got to be close to their limit now on the tight ends because they have, we we went through a bunch of them last week. We've got four more today. Trey McBride from Colorado State. We we were talking about him a few weeks ago. He was like everybody. He was the chic tight end one for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look around, I mean, Mel Kuyper had him as number one tight end. A bunch of other analysts have had him as the top tight end. Uh, a combo player. He can block. He can catch. Not dynamic as an athlete, uh, but this is a guy that can do a little bit of everything for an offense. So tight end Trey McBride, Colorado State heading down there and then you have like kind of a specialized player in Connor Hayward from Michigan State a guy I know you've studied as well this guy's a lot of fun he converted from running back to tight end this year obviously they brought in a couple transfers the Auburn kid we all know about Kenneth Walker coming over from Wake Forest moved over to the tight end spot yes Connor Hayward that son of Ironhead Hayward younger brother of Cam Hayward Ohio State Pittsburgh Steelers this guy's in a much different package though he's about six foot almost 240 Played all over the place in high school. He was quarterback, running back, receiver, safety, punter, really a jack-of-all-trades type. 2018, Fran, really prolific player. He split some time with LJ Scott. He was a one of five finalists for the Paul Horning Award. He's a guy that just has always been a well-rounded, versatile player. Um, I think in that 2018 season, he led the team in rushing, rushing touchdowns, carries, all-purpose yards, returns. So he's now a guy that kind of converted to a H-back, U-tight end, wing-back. He's not a true fullback. Not a true wide tight end. Really unconventional player. Think Rock Cartwright, maybe Marcel Reese, mm. Daryl Young, remember with the Washington football team. Jalen Samuels, the way he came out of NC State. Yep. Remember, he was 5'11", 220, looked like a running back. He went with the tight ends at the combine. 
yep. went to the Steelers and kind of jack of all trades guy. So Connor Hayward may not know where he's going to play yet, but he's a fun player and I'm excited to watch him practice down there at Mobile. And Connor Hayward, uh, obviously, as you mentioned, the younger brother of Cam Hayward, who's the team that selected Jalen Samuels, that comp. Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll see if uh, that's a connected dots pick down the line here. Uh, let's go to Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina, one of the more dynamic athletes at the position in this class. He is a move player, but that just because he's better on the move does not mean that he can't block. All the same things we said um, about Tommy Tremble last year is like, hey, look, he's a he's the best blocker in the class. He does an outstanding job. Watch him on contact but he's not an inline guy. Like Tommy Tremble was the guy you're putting with his hand in the dirt next to your left tackle, your right tackle and asking to block the ends, but you're asking to get up out in the move, block linebackers, block safeties, get him out in space on corners and nickels. That's what likely does likely is uh, he's a, uh, he's really good in that area. They are very creative with their usage of him, um, but he's also, I mean, he's a high school wide receiver. He's six, four with two forty. So uh, he's an undersized tight end uh, who's got that athleticism. I wish he'd pull in some of the more high level of difficulty throws uh, thrown his way. But I think when you look at just his skill set, you know, I've compared him in the past uh, to Gerald Everett, former second round pick uh, who went down to the senior bowl, helped himself coming out of South Alabama. I think likely is kind of pretty similar uh, to Gerald Everett in a lot of ways. Brevin Jordan, we've made that comp uh, as well. Let's go now to the, the last one here from the tight end spot, Charlie Kohler uh, from Iowa State. Yeah, really quick. <clears throat> Philly's been at Iowa State forever there. A lot of tight ends coming out yeah. of Iowa State, but 6'6", 260, really good size. He can block in the run game, put his hand in the turf as a true wide tight end. But this guy catches everything, Fran. 242 career targets at Iowa State, five drops in his career. Five drops and a crazy amount of targets catches everything a guy i've had no problem comparing to like a todd heap type of player yeah i don't think he's running past anybody i don't even think he's separating much but he's got great range he's got great length he's going to pluck the ball away from his body he may be like a pat fryermuth of this class where that you know he's not going to be an explosive receiver in the nfl but he's going to have you know eight to ten touchdowns in the red zone each season i think fryermuth is kind of on his way there with the steelers Let's get into the offensive line. It felt like early this week, Tuesday morning, they just kind of rolled through a bunch of offensive line acceptances. And we'll start with one of my personal favorites, Zion Johnson from Boston College. He's been the, the left guard there uh, two of the last three years. He played more left tackle in 2020. A little bit out of position out there on the perimeter. I like him more on the inside. I think when you look at uh, at Zion Johnson, he's athletic, he's competitive, he's pretty technically sound. Uh, a lot of traits to work with there as a future starting guard in the NFL. That position flex will help him. Certainly like him more on the interior. So one of the, to me, one of the top players, regardless of position that's been announced so far by the senior ball, I think he's in that running to be a top 50, top 60 type of selection. Uh, let's go to Abe Lucas, the guy who's played a ton of ball uh, out West <laughs> for Washington state. Yeah. Four year starter at right tackle for Washington state. That's Abraham Lucas known as Abe Lucas, four year starter, almost up to 3000 snaps in his career. I think he'll actually eclipse that this weekend in uh, whatever rivalry game he has over the weekend here. But Abe Lucas, don't forget about him. Six, seven, 320 has played a lot of ball out there. I know Washington state, not the most conventional, you know, uh, team to go get players from the trenches from, but he's a really good player and he's experienced. Now let's go to a couple players from the sec. We've got Darian Kennard from Kentucky, Ed Ingram from LSU. You've done a little bit more work on Ingram than I have. So I'll let you do Ed Ingram. I'll do Darian Kennard. This is the guy who's played mostly right tackle over the course of his career. A lot of people feel he might be a little bit better served sliding inside to guard when he reaches the NFL, big physical mauler as a run blocker, a little bit heavy footed as a pass protector. That will 
be the question. That's why some people feel he's better served inside. But uh, for the, the offensive line coaches and teams that prefer bigger, stronger, stouter offensive linemen, uh, they will be in on Darian Kennard. Big body kid has played plenty of football out there for the Wildcats. Uh, let's come to you for Ed Ingram down at LSU. Yeah, Ed Ingram at LSU has been down there forever. He started 13 or 14 games as a true freshman back yeah. in 2017, sat out 2018 with a uh, off-the-field incident. But this guy is massive. He's balanced. He's powerful, can really torque and finish defensive linemen, absorbs bull rushes and pass pro. He just has a huge frame. He kind of dares you to go through him, but he's got good awareness on stunts. He can kind of get up the linebackers and really get movement on him. Just reaches a little bit, overextends, plays outside his frame just a little bit experienced at both guard spots and played a lot of good football for him in 2019 and that championship run he wasn't a mainstay but if you remember they had a lot of injuries and some moving parts at guard center guard there filled in for Damian Lewis a couple games so he's played some high level football he's an experienced player the only school with two offensive tackles in the game so in the senior bowl so far Central Michigan Chippewas. Fire up chips. We're going to go with Bernard Raymond, who has gotten a lot of buzz. I'll let you do Bernard Raymond. Uh, I talked about Luke Gadecki earlier this week. Uh, he's the right tackle for the chips. This guy, I talked about him earlier in the, in, in the week, so you can go back and check the full report there. Uh, but I was pretty impressed with this kid. He's a well-rounded player. He's got traits. He's not started a ton of games, so hasn't played a ton of ball. He's only been on campus for a few years. But uh, this is a guy who is a converted high school tight end and D-end, I believe, um, but athletic. He's got some strength. He's got some power to him. He's pretty technically sound. He loves to finish. He's a, he's a guy that grows on you the more you watch him. So Luke Gadecki at right tackle, feel like he might be uh, better served moving inside as well when he gets to the NFL. Uh, take us through Bernard Raymond, one of our buddy Dane Brugler's favorites in this class. Yeah, the other side of the Central Michigan offensive line, the left tackle after converting from tight end, kind of an undersized guy at about 6'6", 300 pounds, just really struggles to fill out his lower half being that converted tight end and a taller prospect. I don't think I see a lot of power uh, in his game, but he's really athletic. He's balanced, great body control, can really latch and kind of mirror rushers. He's rarely on the ground. He can do everything athletically you want from a tackle, whether it's reach blocks or playing out on the perimeter. I think he's a little bit more like a Brian O'Neill out of Pittsburgh, also a mm. tight end convert, second round pick to the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Yep. High side comp, could he be Joe Staley, who is also a tight end to tackle convert? coincidentally, at Central Michigan, maybe like Elaine Johnson, as you've kind of compared him to. So he's really athletic, obviously has some issues with his body, filling out that lower half, but he's still developing, still ascending. So we'll see where he goes. All right, let's get to a couple more offensive linemen here. Andrew Stuber from Michigan. Matt Roletsko from North Dakota at the FCS level. Uh, I've studied both of these guys. I think when you look at Stuber, uh, he's got some positional versatility. He can get off a little bit uh, in terms of uh, getting off the ball in the run game. Uh, needs to get a little bit better in pass protection. That's really the, the big issue for him at this point. Then uh, Matt, Le Matt Roletsko from North Dakota, uh, a guy who was highlighted in that Bruce Feldman piece uh, a couple of weeks ago. 6'7", 300 pounds. Needs to get stronger, but he's athletic. He gets out of there. Gets out of his stance pretty well. Uh, I actually studied him this morning, Ben, as we're recording this. So I've done a couple games on him. Um, he, he's an impressive mover, and he can get up to the second level. Just needs to get a little bit more uh, consistent with his hands, and, and he, he needs to get stronger. He's going to need time, uh, some seasoning there uh, on the on the back end of an NFL roster. But uh, a couple a couple tackles there uh, to round things out for the offensive line. Yeah, a couple good players there. Let's move over to the linebackers here. So, uh, Damone Clark at LSU, really good size at 6'3", 245. Reminds me a lot of Kelvin Shepard who is a LSU linebacker about 10 years earlier, went in the third round uh, 
to the Buffalo Bills, if I'm not mistaken. I think mm. Jamal Clark is right in that back end of day two kind of category right now. He's played a lot of good football, occasionally some eye violations. I'm really wondering what his football IQ is, but he's long, he's athletic, he's strong. He's shown up on the freak list, has worn that patented number 18 for LSU, yep. showing the leadership and the captain of the defense, core special teamer uh, throughout his career as well. And he's played some high-level football. You know, he's played uh, on that championship team in 2019, had three starts, one of them in the championship game against Georgia, that SEC championship game. So he's played some high-level football. And Fran, you play linebacker in the SEC for three, four years, especially as a 19-year-old as he did. He's got some bad tape out there. You know, you kind of, you learn, you know, through experience out there in the SEC. So experienced players are going to have some bad games. They're going to have some bad snaps. Don't kill them for it, especially linebackers. It's tough out there in the SEC having to tackle all those athletic running backs and slot receivers out there. So uh, Damone Clark, really experienced. You can see that with a number of positions. Offensive line is certainly one of the four-year starters. When you go back and look at uh, their early tape, it's it's going to be ugly. You're going to take your lumps uh, if you're out there earlier, especially in the SEC. A couple DBs. Let's get through. Tamari Mathis from Pitt. I know you just studied him yesterday. Uh, impressive player. Joshua Thompson, kind of a high upside, uh, outside corner. Uh, he's got some traits to work with, some special teams background as well. Uh, but I know you studied Tamari Mathis. Yeah, Tamari Mathis is a really fun player because he's a guy that's tough in the flat and in run support, being 5'10", about 205. He's got a good size, but he can play the ball down the field and really survive on an island, which Narduzzi's cover four scheme plays a lot of quarters, which means he's kind of fending for himself. He doesn't have a whole lot of safety help. Everything converts to man after about six, seven yards uh, in the route. He plays the ball down the field exceptionally well. Obviously, he's had to defend guys like Clemson and North Carolina the past three, four years and the high-powered offense of Sam Howell and Trevor Lawrence, but he's got ball skills. I actually think he may be a convert to be like a Nick safety mm. just his ability to play the run is good size it's a little stiff hipped at times um, but he wins with his toughness in the route on the release points at the catch point really tough player in Demari Mathis I mean that's what Avante Maddox was uh, was an outside corner through and through for for them for and it's it's funny he was actually a player too he had a lot of bad tape early in his career of Avante did I remember I did an Avante game they had, they did Oklahoma State they showed up to Heinz Field Oklahoma right. State and Mason Rudolph and James Washington hung on. like 40 50 on them yeah. and I was like I don't think Avante can play corner in this league Next thing you know, you convert him to nickel, and he just uh, enjoyed a brand-new contract this past week as one of the top slot defenders in the NFL. That's it. So we'll keep an eye here on Matt. What, what did Maddox weigh coming out of pit? You know, he was a little bit lighter. He wasn't. He wasn't, wasn't quite as yeah. big. Yeah, he was. He was definitely on the smaller yeah, five, side. Five nine, one eighty five. Yeah, and yeah. Mari Mathis more in the five ten, two hundred five category. Different yep. type of players, but Avante running four three nine obviously helped him. No doubt. Um, all right, let's get to uh, this weekend in college football rivalry weekend. We were talking the other, the other day how hard that is to to say consistently in the first round. A rivalry weekend here in college football. Uh, a bunch of games Thursday. A bunch of games Friday. Friday, a bunch of games Saturday. So I'm going to personally try and stick to the Saturday tape. That way, we're, uh, if you're listening to this on Friday, you're not uh, hearing something that's completely timed out. But I'll tell you what, uh, the big game here, Saturday in the Big Ten, Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, I learned my lesson. I'm not going to pick against Ohio State uh, here this week after I picked Michigan State a week ago, Ben. But uh, Ohio State, along the offensive line, Nicholas petit Frere is a guy that you've been hyping up. Uh, I know Dane is very high on him as well at offensive tackle. Huge, huge matchup for him going up against this Michigan defensive front. A couple pass rushers there, Aiden Hutchinson, We've talked about him. You may be aware of him. Uh, maybe one of the top prospects, regardless of position in the country. And then David Ojabo, uh, another high-rising player, has not played a ton of football, but has been extremely productive. Uh, Petit Frere is going to see both of these guys in this game, regardless of which. He's not getting any plays off uh, against both these guys. 
<laughs> well, I'm going to stick to the Conference USA matchups this weekend, Fran. And two, I just want to hit on really fast, undefeated UTSA, really fun team to watch. They're on the road against North Texas. North Texas, a lot of good defenders. You got uh, KD Davis at linebacker. You have to go up against Sincere McCormick at running back. But the other matchup in the Conference USA, I want to watch at 3.30 on the CBS Sports Network. That's Western Kentucky at Marshall. That's Western Kentucky quarterback Bailey Zappi against Marshall's defense. And they have two really good ball hawking corners out there. One of them, Stephen Gilmore. Yes, the younger brother of Stefan Gilmore. Now with the Carolina Panthers, if I'm not mistaken, going over from the Patriots, former defensive player of the year. And the other side, Micah Abraham, who's an absolute ball hawk at 6'2", 180 with really good length. So Bailey Zappi has a pretty prolific season going on here. I don't know if you guys are paying attention. 48 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 4,600 yards passing over 70 70 percent completions i believe he's on his way to the senior bowl if i'm not mistaken friend did we talk about him last week no he's not uh, not uh, or belly zappy is yes we did yeah, belly zappy yes he I know, yes belly zappy is heading yep. he's on the road this week and i think they're uh first in their division in conference usa opposite utsa who's undefeated in the other division we'll see if they have a showdown in the conference championship game if they even have a conference championship game i'm blanking right now but bailey zappy 330 gets marshall cbs sports network Everybody's got a conference championship game now, except for Notre Dame. Uh, they're the only team they don't want the conference title game. Uh, let's go to uh, most to gain. Who's a player that could really help himself uh, with a strong performance this week? And I'm going to go for a twofer here. Uh, how about that South Carolina defensive front? And we talk about Kingsley and Ibarre, Jordan Strong, the two guys, draft eligible seniors uh, on either side going up against Clemson. Now, Clemson's having a down year, but I'm telling you, you, know, you have that rivalry game, and I don't want to give too much away, but. Potential upset alert here for South Carolina going up against Clemson. South Carolina uh, picking up a little steam here on the back end of the season. Clemson uh, a little bit down. We'll see. Uh, this is a big opportunity here for that that South Carolina defensive line to eat. And one of my favorite matchups at the end of every college football season, you just highlighted one of them. I believe that's the Ponsettia game or the – damn it, I don't care. I'm not throwing you the life. South, South, Carolina, South, South Carolina, Clemson. Clemson. I've done that game a couple times for ESPN. But anyways – how about the United We Stand, Divided We Fall game? That's right. The big battle in Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky rivals they face at the end of every season. Fran, Louisville's rolling right now. 41-3 to against Syracuse. Hung a 60-burger on Duke last week. They're playing some really good ball. They played Ole Miss at the SEC in the season opener. They weren't the same team. Playing another SEC team this week in Kentucky. Look on the back end. And two big-time transfers at safety. Quintarian Cole, Kendrick Duncan out there for Louisville. They're having a great season in kind of a murky year for Louisville. They're coming out on the other side right now, playing some good football. But I think Cole and Duncan have a big performance against Will Levis and Mark Stutes and some of those SEC receivers like Wandale Robinson. This is a huge game for their NFL stock. So both transfers this year and Cole and Duncan playing good football. Another SEC matchup. You know, when we go to the tape in the offseason, Fran, Louisville, SEC games, we're going to go right to that. Ole Miss, Kentucky, let's finish strong here. I'm going to be honest, I haven't done a, a deep dive yet on Malik Cunningham, uh, the quarterback for Louisville, but that guy is dynamic. Like, he is one of the most explosive playmakers in college football at the quarterback position, uh, really regardless of position. He is just – he's worth the price of admission alone to, if you're going to watch this game. So uh, keep an eye on Malik Cunningham, the quarterback there for the Cardinals. Let's go to our comparison chat. Uh, uh, an NFL comp to profile a player uh, picking this week. I almost removed this category this week just because we had covered so many names, but uh, I know how much you love doing player comps, so I had to leave it in there. I'll let you go first. 
All right. So I had mentioned a fun one early in the week. Make sure you watch our recap episode or listen to our recap episode earlier. I threw out John Ridgeway going from Arkansas, the Illinois State transfer, headed to the Senior Bowl. He reminded me a lot of Brett Kiesel as a throwback. Yep. One other fun name, not getting a lot of love, in my opinion, that Georgia defense, Georgia front seven. We talked Jordan Davis and all those linebackers. Devontae Wyatt is a really good player for him. And I think he reminds me a lot of Jarrell Casey. Coming out of USC, one of the more underrated players in the NFL over the last eight to 10 years. He just retired after a quick stint with the Broncos after a really good football with the Titans. 300-pounder, can play up and down the line, good pass rusher, kind of a dancing panda type. Devontae Wyatt, Jarrell Casey. Book it here first. Do you like him more or less? They're talking about senior defense tackles. Do you like him more or less than Haskell Garrett? I think they're a little bit different type of player. I think Haskell is a little bit tougher at the point of attack, kind of a thicker frame, I think, through the hips and whatnot. I think Devontae Wyatt's a little heavier up top and then gets kind of skinny in the legs there, allows him to be a little bit more quick-footed, can kind of shoot in the gaps and get upfield a little bit faster, rushing the passer. But two really strong players. I know you have a pretty interesting comp for Haskell Garrett right now. I have a couple names to match you on. Who do you got? So uh, I really like Haskell Garrett and I compared him to Christian Covington, who if you're like an NFL fan, you're like, oh, well, oh wow. Well, okay. The, the, the journeyman backup defensive tackle, Christian Covington. I really liked Christian Covington coming out of rice. Uh, and no, that was number one. Number two, he's really banged up with injuries. He's actually playing some pretty good ball uh, right now. And over the last couple of years, he's, he's been really good off the bench for the teams that he has played for. And I think when you look at Covington, uh, his ability to disrupt inside, he's got some positional versatility as both a, a, a shade and a three tech probably better served at three tech. That's how exact. That's exactly how I view Haskell Garrett better served at three. He can slide inside if you need him to, but I think he's better served uh, over the guard. I think this guy's really disruptive. He's athletic. He's compact. He competes well. Uh, a lot of the things you, you said about him and comparing him to Wyatt Haskell Garrett's one of the more underrated players in the country. In my opinion, there's not enough people talking about him in this defensive tackle group overall. Yeah, so my comparison is in a similar vein that may not excite a lot of NFL fans or college fans or fans of Haskell Garrett, but this guy played at Texas, was a third-round pick, played 12 years in the NFL for five different teams. Just was never that sexy on-your-fantasy team type of defensive lineman. That's Corey Redding, if you remember. He was a third-round pick, played a lot for the Lions, but he kept getting jobs because he's one of those hired gun types that could play D-tackle. He could slide out of the end. He was 6'3", about 3'10", same type of body type as Haskell Garrett, reliable run defender. It's one of these guys that just isn't super sexy, flashy, explosive, twitchy, you know, to really be a double-digit sack guy, but a three-down player that can play up and down the line. I think Corey Redding and Haskell Garrett, they're your pros, pros type. So I think third round, he was picked 66, early third round. I think that's kind of Haskell Garrett country. I like it. Uh, he's one of my favorite players that's like not talked about enough uh, in this yeah, class. For really sure. good player. Uh, let's, uh, let's wrap things up with our mock draft roundup. And this week, we're going to go over to the draft network. Keith Sanchez putting out a mock draft over at TDN. And first question, most surprising pick in the top 15, Ben? We're seeing a lot of consensus here with uh, who's going where. What was your biggest shock there in the top 15? 
How about Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa? Meteoric rise this year, up into mm. the first round, now into the top 10, ninth overall to the Atlanta Falcons. And I think they can use some more offensive line juice, obviously. They're trying to work in uh, Jalen Mayfield from last year. They just went to the offensive line well in the first round two years ago, taking Caleb McGarry and Chris Lindstrom. They need an upgrade at center. Jake Matthews at left tackle has some question marks. So the Falcons, ninth overall, Trevor Penning, surprising for a number of reasons, but I really like Penning, and I think that's going to be a good pick. Just That's uh, the highest I've seen him taken, and the Falcons once again going to the offensive line well as opposed to maybe getting that Matt Ryan successor at quarterback. You know, they took Jake Matthews in the first round a few years ago. And you're like, okay, like Jake Matthews hasn't turned into an elite tackle, but he's a solid starter uh, on the left side. Like, it would it be surprising if Penning turned into like that level of player? I think you and I both like him to be a little bit better than that, but uh, I don't think we look at Penning as like an elite, elite player. But, you know, look, that they need solid offensive line play, and you could do a lot worse than Trevor Penning. You know, in 11 weeks into the season, we could probably spend an entire podcast talking about the Kyle Pitts pick and whether it was worth it and the franchise direction and, mm. you know, Matt Ryan getting old, obviously some issues on the trenches, issues on defense. Did they add some nice tints and rims to a car that the engine really is kind of dying? Interesting conversation if the Kyle Pitts uh, pick was really worth it at number mm. four overall. All right, well, I'm going to go to the number one pick in this mock draft. That was my most surprising because Aiden Hutchinson, number one overall ahead of Kayvon Thibodeau to the Detroit Lions. Uh, ben, you know, we, we were talking about uh, Hutchinson in the last segment. Um, this is a guy that is really disruptive and uh, has been outstanding this year for Michigan. And he's been a three-year starter. He was banged up last year. He got hurt after the second game, third game uh, of the 2020 season. So didn't play a ton as a junior. Has come on like gangbusters here this year. He plays the run. He plays the pass. He gets after it in pursuit. Uh can line up inside, outside, both sides of the field. You know, uh, Hutchinson's a really good player, but is he the number one pick? Uh, that would be that would be surprising. I don't know that, that that's out there often. I, this one was a very big surprise for me as soon as I opened up this mock draft. Yeah, that was uh, definitely a pleasant surprise to see at number one overall there. Haven't seen that a whole lot, but... You know, I love uh, love throwing it out there and kind of mixing up the consensus. That's it. Let's uh, shake it off. Let's shake it up a little bit. Uh, we're going to get into some other big picture discussions, but let's get into three Eagles picks here uh, in the top 16. We're going to go first one here, ninth overall, the first pick for the Eagles uh, from the Miami Dolphins. This is wide receiver Chris Olave. Here's the blurb here from Keith. The Jalen Hurts project looks like it is working in Philadelphia. In order to continue to help his progression, the draft they draft the most complete wide receiver in this year's draft in Chris Olave. In college, we've seen the best versions of Hurts when he was surrounded by elite wide receiver talents and the Eagles need to replicate that to get the most out of their young quarterback. So Ben, thoughts on Chris Olave at number nine. Um, this is a guy that you and I both love. I, I do. I love Chris Olave. This is a guy that can stretch the field. He's technically savvy. He can separate. Uh, he can track the ball. He can win after the catch. He does a lot for uh, for a defense. It would be interesting, or he does a lot for an offense. It would be interesting to see the Eagles spend three first, three first round picks in three years at the position, um, but Olave is a he's a dynamic talent. He's really really fun to watch. He's obviously has some explosive speed. He's got good size at about six two. He's good at the catch point. Good route runner. He can play a variety of positions. I think he can survive as being an X in the NFL, but has the savviness to play some Z and some F and some over-the-middle stuff as well. Would be a great complement to some of the stable weapons they have with Dallas Goddard and Miles Sanders and uh, obviously the former Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, uh, Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith. I don't know why, uh, <laughs> I, don't know why I couldn't think of his name right it's there. Early, but, it's early. It's early. Uh, but anyways, yeah, Chris Olave. 
Olave, yeah, we'd, uh, we'd love to add him. And I think any receiver room would love to add Chris Olave. It's just weighing uh, what the other needs are with your, your with your teams. All right, let's get to a couple picks later. 11 overall, cornerback Andrew Booth. And this would be the Eagles pick here uh, with the 11th overall selection. Here's the blurb from Keith. The Eagles need team speed on both sides of the ball. With this pick, they go with Andrew Booth, a quick-twitch, explosive athlete that plays with a passion for the game that jumps out to you on film. Booth combined with veteran Darius Slay will give the Eagles one of the most athletic cornerback tandems in the league. So, Ben, uh, interested to get your thoughts on Andrew Booth. Do you view him as that kind of like athletic specimen uh, when you watch him on film? I do love uh, Andrew Booth. I'm a big fan of the way he plays the ball in the air. I like his competitiveness downhill. Do you feel like that athleticism is the, the, the trait that kind of sets him apart from some of the other corners in this group? I feel like that's not only what sets him apart. That's really what he hangs his hat on and how he has to make his money is mm. just being a really loose kind of athletic, long ball hawking player. That's why I love him kind of in that side saddle with his eyes in the backfield, yep. to kind of jump routes, even if it's not his guy. We've seen a n- number of kind of corner jumping the slot and jumping seam routes. Um, he's re- he's rangy. His ball skills makes a lot of incredible catches on the ball. Just a little bit raw with some press man stuff. Uh, with Brent Venables, a lot of people re- don't realize primarily zone coverage out there. And he's playing less and less press man, even on third downs. And I, I think a guy like Andrew Booth, we're seeing a lot more of his own eyes in the backfield in the NFL, a lot of cover four out there where you're kind of just press bailing, um, no help over the top. He's a guy that can survive on an island, play the ball down the field, really athletic, rangy, loose, a lot of traits to like. I like it. Well, let's get to our uh, last one here. 16 overall. This is the pick from the Indianapolis Colts. uh, And the selection here, offensive tackle Darian Kennard, who was just announced for the Senior Bowl. We talked about him earlier in the show. With this pick, the Eagles select Darian Kennard, a multi-year starter that has played against some of the best edge rushers college football has to offer. Kennard has great feet and plays with physicality to help continue the Eagles' dominance in the run game. So I think from that aspect, uh, Ben, that certainly makes sense. You know, you look at the the way the Eagles have run the ball over the last month. Hey, let's continue uh, to supply there. I would never rule out offensive line for this team. We know how much they value the trenches on both sides of the line. Uh, Kennard definitely gives them uh, that kind of presence. That said, uh, certainly one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Uh, They've added some young players to that group. So uh, thoughts on Darian Kennard, I guess just almost like looking at it in a vacuum. Like, what are your thoughts on, on Kennard there? in the middle of round one. I think that's more than an appropriate spot, but I'm sliding him in the guard all day long. It reminds me a ton, a ton of former first-round pick Cody Ford, mm. who was a tackler, sure. also big, mauler, heavy-legged, immediately slid in the guard with the Buffalo Bills and has been a mainstay right guard since he arrived in the league. Um, Kennard, though, little issue in space, you know, a little issue with some foot quickness, his pad level struggles at time out there, wide hands. I haven't loved his 2021 tape especially since Kentucky's played really well for most of the season. But I think sliding him into guard can really tap into just his size, strength, power, and all that natural ability because, Fran, he is massive, and he's nasty, and he wants to finish guys. Not a whole lot different than the way Landon Dickerson kind of played with his kind of glass-eating style out there, too. Landon, a guy that also played some tackle in his career, especially at Florida State, goes to Alabama, more of an interior guy. I think Kennard's going to be an interior guy, but um, I'm excited for him to show up to Mobile and maybe flash uh, a little bit of that versatility that we really haven't seen at Kentucky. And I feel like I do feel like you're giving us a, an honest assessment because you are like the most pro uh, Kentucky 
football athletics uh, person I've seen since like Ashley Judd. So I will, uh, I will take that word as bond. Uh, good stuff. There. And I was big on Kennard through, you know, the past couple of years too. So I'm, I'm more than willing to say I loved him in 2019, 2020, 2021 tape hasn't really lived up to those expectations. So uh, prove me wrong. You know, All right, I like it. Well, let's get to uh, a couple just big picture items before we wrap this up Thanksgiving week. All right. So I want to go pick that you'd be most thankful for, if you were a fan of that team and that made the selection for me, it would be the Pittsburgh Steelers getting Kenny Pickett at number 23, uh, a guy that you can slide in and say, all right, we're going to, we're going to put him in and start him homegrown kid, obviously playing there uh, at Heinz field. Uh, let's slide him in and take over for Ben Roethlisberger and kind of honestly play similarly offensively uh, the way that we've been trying to play uh, with big Ben, maybe just now, uh, you know, obviously with a guy that's got a little bit more juice uh, from where he's at right now from an athletic standpoint, arm talent standpoint. So uh, Kenny Pickett at 23 of the Steelers, I think they'd be uh, fairly happy uh, with that acquisition. Well, I think Tennessee Titans fans would be super excited to see Nicobe Dean go seventh to the Giants, Brandon Smith go 29th to the Ravens, and Devin Lloyd out of Utah falling to 31st overall to the Tennessee Titans. I think that would be an absolute steal for Titans fans. They can use an off-ball linebacker, a mainstay. I think Devin Lloyd would be a great pick there. And how about the 31st and 32nd picks in his mock friend? The Tennessee Titans and Arizona Cardinals. I don't know if that's just mm. based on record right now. Yeah, that'd, be a, off record, yeah. that'd be a fun Super Bowl matchup there the uh, cliff kingsbury going against mike vrabel out there we'll see if they can survive uh, without derrick henry but we're doing over we're doing over unders in the next segment with ross but 32 and a half i'm going to set that over 32 and a half so basically first round or not devin lloyd for round one in april or yes after? round one all day long all day long i think he's ascending every week he's checking every box he's going to keep rising i think it's interesting to see no toyo toyo no christian harris no yeah. quay walker no tyndall no some of those other guys that are really mm-hmm. rising on boards but devin lloyd linebacker three in his positional rankings here in this mock draft falling to 31 overall. Devin Lloyd, I'm going to say right now, I think he reminds me a lot of Fred Warner. Their body types, their long long legs, their high cut, their range, their ball skills, their instincts, they're getting off blocks. Fred Warner may be the best linebacker in the NFL right now. I think he's certainly paid like it. Devin Lloyd, 31st. I think he can even be a top end of the first round type of player. All right, last uh, last question. And this is, I'm going to keep with the Thanksgiving theme here, okay? Yep. What's the selection that's like eating that third slice of uh, apple pie when you should have only had one completely unnecessary, but still delicious and you still love it. So uh, the pick in the first round here that you're just completely not needed at all, but you're like, yeah, I still kind of like this. So for me, it was uh, the Buffalo Bills at 21 overall taking Purdue pass rusher George Karlaftis. I think that's outstanding value at 21 overall. But the Bills just took Greg Rousseau and Boogie Basham last year. They took A.J. Epinesa in the second round a year before. How many young pass rushers does this team, does this team need? Uh, guys that have that inside-outside versatility that can push the pocket. Carl Aftas absolutely is a fit. Uh, it would just be like an embarrassment of riches along the defensive front there. Uh, what would be one for you? Well, I think just the unnecessary slice of pie here is David Ojabo going to New England Patriots, which is also known as Michigan Wolverines East, apparently, because they took – Josh Uchi, you know, two years ago, they took Cameron McGrone last year. They already have Chase Winovic out there. Michael Owain, who's playing a lot of offensive line for him. Tons of Jim Harbaugh disciples out there with Bill Belichick, adding another Michigan front seven player to this front seven in New England. We have too many out there, right? These Ohio State guys are getting a little bit nervous in that locker room over there. Too many Michigan Wolverines 
uh, with the Patriots. I know Brady's not there anymore. There's not a quota to meet Bill. It's okay. Look elsewhere. Go get some Alabama guys. I do wonder if the connection, obviously there's the Har- there's a Harbaugh connection, but I wonder if it's a Don Brown connection because Don Brown, remember, came up in high school football in the New England area. Uh, we know that uh, Bill Belichick, obviously, uh, will reach out to coaches at all levels, uh, picking their brain. Don Brown does great defensive things. Just got hired uh, as the new head coach at UMass, so uh, keep an eye out on that pipeline. Uh, he was just with uh, the University of Arizona, so we'll see if any Wildcats end up in, uh, in New England this offseason. But uh, cert- well, certainly a pipeline that can continue there with David Ojabo heading to the Patriots. Well, Ben, I think we covered like 80 players uh, in this segment. So I'll, uh, I'll let you go eat some Turkey and we will, uh, we'll talk next week right here on the journey to the draft podcast presented by life brand. Hey Eagles fans, get ready for the game each Sunday with an exclusive look at Eagles pregame warmups brought to you live each week. When you join myself, Amy Campbell and Eagles insider Dave Spadaro on the kickoff show presented by Exalta, we provide Eagles focus analysis, late breaking news and the team perspective that you cannot get anywhere else. The kickoff show presented by Exalta can be seen live 50 minutes before kickoff on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, we're here to wrap up the show once again for Pick 6, my friend Ross Tucker. And Ross, uh, we split last week, which means we are still tied up. You picked Utah over Oregon smartly. Uh, I picked Alec Pierce over uh, Reggie Roberson in the SMU-Cincinnati game. We both missed on our upsets, which means, like I said, we are still tied up and we are getting close here to the end of the season, which means uh, every single one of these picks mean a whole, whole lot, man. What are the odds, by the way, with we do six every week that we'd be exactly <laughs> tied? It's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, this is two weeks or two years in a row because we it was like this last year as well. We went right down to the wire. Uh, before How far do we go? Picture. I forget. Do we go through the bowls? I can't remember when we stopped. I think we went through the bowls. Yeah, I think we went. And I think we actually even did like different props through the national title game. So we still got a few weeks here, but okay, uh, right. it's still very, uh, it's still very, very tight. Um, let's get to our pickums here, and we're going to go uh, to the Kentucky Louisville game, a game that Ben brought up earlier here in the show. Uh, straight pick them. Who do you like here uh, in the battle in the bluegrass? I'm going to go Louisville. Uh, I'm going to go Louisville nice. because I, I did their game against Clemson. I was really impressed by Malik Cunningham. Yeah. I mean, that guy is electric. He really is like a poor man's Lamar Jackson. That's who yeah. he reminds me of. And they just haven't been able to close out some of these close games. I think they win this game. Um, but honestly, this could go either way, but I'm going to, I'm going to put my faith in Cunningham and I'll take the Cardinals. I'll go Kentucky here. I, I like a lot of the pieces on that offense. I think they've got some defensive talent as well. A couple guys going to the senior bowl in Corker and Pascal. Uh, I think when you look at that offense with Wondell Robinson, we talked about him earlier. Uh, I think when you look at this offense, what they can do, uh, I will put my faith in that side of the football here, getting the win against UL. Let's go to the next one here. Uh, back to the Big Ten, Michigan State. And Penn State, who do you like here in this one? I'm going to go Michigan State. Um, I believe that they will bounce back from Mm -hmm. an embarrassing loss to Ohio State. I think they recognize they've had a heck of a good year, and they want to be 10-2. Big difference, 10-2. You beat Michigan, you beat Penn State, as opposed to 9-3. Get a win for the seniors on senior day up there in East Lansing. Uh, I like Michigan State. Penn State. 
still isn't really playing that great. They've got yeah. some O-line issues now. I like the Spartans. What about with the uh, the contract extension for James Franklin? You feel like you know that, that murkiness now that was kind of in the background, that that that, na- that noise uh, maybe kind of settles in and then the team settles in or you feel like very little impact there? I would say very little impact. I, mm. I don't think that has much of a factor when those guys are out there inside the white lines in front of 80,000 people. That said, I'm going Michigan State as well for all the reasons that you said. Uh, I was interested to see which way you would go there, obviously uh, knowing that Penn State program as well as you do. Let's now go to the next one. Uh, an either or. and Or no, sorry. We're going to go the, uh, the over under next. This one was an interesting one. So I'm going to go freshman quarterback Caleb Williams for Oklahoma. Three and a half total touchdowns, rushing, receiving, or throwing here for Williams against their arch rival, Oklahoma State, the in-state rival. Uh, what do you like here, the over or under there for Caleb Williams? Because he's been feast or famine this season. Yeah, I'm going to go under. I'm mm. going to go famine. I like Oklahoma State's defense. Look, you never know if Caleb Williams will get benched, but Oklahoma State's defense, they're one of the best in the Big 12 in a, in a long time, it feels like. They're yeah, good they're on good. that side of the ball. Uh, my, my guy, Jim Knowles, former Cornell head coach, right. doing a nice job with that team. I think Oklahoma state seemed like they never win this game. They never get to the big 12 championship. They never get to the college football playoff. They get a real opportunity. I think they're going to make the most of it. I'll go under three and a half. Three and a half, it, it was because at first I went, I was initially going to go two and a half. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's a, that's a little low. Three, three and a half makes it a very tough decision. Uh, I, I had gone back and forth on this. Oklahoma State absolutely uh, is playing well on defense, but man, I just, I hate to bet against Lincoln Riley. I know that it's been, it's been kind of ugly for Oklahoma this year. I, I watched that whole game last week against Iowa State. They squeak out a win out there. Obviously, that's a very senior laden defensive group. Uh, I'm going to go over here, though, because I want to try and see if I can create some separation from you. Uh, I'm going to put a lot of faith in the talent there of Caleb Williams. Obviously, they've got a lot of talent across the across the uh, entire scope of that offense. Uh, I will take the over there on three and a half total touchdowns for the freshman phenom, Caleb Williams. Let's now go to our uh, either or. We're looking at a couple games here, one out west, one in the Big Ten. Who's got the bigger margin of victory? The Oregon Ducks over Oregon State or Wisconsin over Minnesota, which team do you have more faith in the ducks or the badgers? I'm going to go ducks. I'm a little concerned about the whole college football playoff and them losing to Utah and there being a letdown there, but I'm going to go ducks and I'm going to believe that they bounce back. They still have a lot of their goals in front of them for this season. And I think Wisconsin, Minnesota is going to be a battle. Mm. I think that's going to be a battle. Um, not that Oregon, Oregon State won't be, but I'll, I'll go with the Ducks. I think there's more of a talent disparity between Oregon and Oregon State than there is between Wisconsin and Minnesota. I'll, dude, I'm going to go with this uh, this Wisconsin running back, uh, Braylon Allen. The th- maybe I'm putting too much faith in this, in this freshman class. Uh, I took the over on, on Caleb Williams in the last category. I'm going to go Braylon Allen and just how dominant he's been on the ground. This Wisconsin offense really starting to hum right now, uh, going up against Minnesota. Uh, I took Oregon last week in that Utah game. I wrongfully placed my faith in the Ducks, so maybe I'm a little spurned from that one, but I will go Wisconsin Badgers here, so we're separate here on three of our first four picks, uh, so we should get some separation here next week let's now go to the game the ohio state michigan battle uh obviously look it's a you know a lot of people feel like ohio state gonna win this one so uh, i didn't want to go straight pick them i felt like that would be too easy for you that you would definitely go buckeye so my thought process here garrett wilson the star one of the star receivers for ohio state his yards per catch here in this game or the ohio state 
margin of victory over uh, Michigan. Who do you like here this one? Uh, I like Garrett Wilson. Yards mm. per catch. Yep. I mean, there's some chance Michigan wins. I think Michigan has an even better chance to keep it close. And I think Garrett Wilson's yards per catch is over 10. So I'm going to go with Michigan. To they, You know, Michigan's got a good formula to go against Ohio State. They got two awesome DNs. They can run the ball very well. They're going to play keep away from C.J. Stroud and those receivers. So Garrett Wilson yards per catch for sure. That's why I you the uh, I usually try and get you on those margin of victories because sometimes you go oh you know you never, you never know it could be the upset uh, you know it's uh, it's always interesting to see uh, which way you go there I also will go with Garrett Wilson uh, here in this one let's go with the upset special uh, one big upset to win who do you like here this week uh, a crazy week obviously rivalry weekend here in college football North Texas oh I am going oh, with wow. the Mean Green to end. UTSA's undefeated season. They're 11 and 0, 7 and 0 in Conference USA. They're on the West Side. I'm I think North Texas gets it done. That's a lot of games to win. North Texas has won four in a row by the way. North Texas is playing much better and I just think it's hard to go undefeated. Sorry UTSA, but it's hard to go undefeated. I'm going North Texas. Wow. I, I did not see that one coming uh, from you at this point. Um, I went back and forth on this one, man. And South Carolina, they've won two of three. They beat Florida a couple weeks ago. They beat Auburn last week. Uh, they had a, t- a tough loss, three-point loss to Mizzou a couple weeks ago. They've got Clemson this week. Big rivalry game in-state. This is their chance, right? If they're going to beat Clemson in recent memory, this this feels like the opportunity here for the Gamecocks. Uh, you like what Shane Beamer has done so far this year. I know it's been a little bit up and down, but they've won two of three. Uh, let's go South Carolina here for my upset over the Clemson Tigers. We'll see uh, if either of us are able to pull away. We went separate here on four of the first five picks, and then uh, both I think both these upsets have a shot here, Ross. We'll see uh, which one of us comes, on to, comes out on top. Yeah, I mean, South Carolina's playing better. I just – Clemson – you know, took care of business against Wake Forest. That was pretty impressive to me. So that's why I couldn't do that. Yeah, it's, uh, it'll be an interesting game. Uh, Ross, enjoy some turkey. I know you will. I know you'll have a few daddy sodas as well uh, over the course of the next few days. Enjoy the holiday. Happy Thanksgiving to you and you guys. Likewise, Fran, and likewise to all the listeners. Love you guys. So great stuff this week from Ben Fennell and Ross Tucker. Obviously, we will be back next week here, breaking down everything we see in Rivalry Weekend. We're going to have Dane Brugler back on the show early next week. Excited to catch back up with him and talk through some of the things that he's taken away from these last couple weeks in college football. We're always breaking it down right here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. When the clock hits all zeros, the game might be over, but the action is not. Join us for the post-game show presented by Rico for instant reaction. Watch live as Coach Nick Sirianni and Eagles players come to the podium and meet with the media. We will make sure you do not miss a word. Myself, Ike Reese, and Gabriella DiGiovanni will also break down the game live at the desk and hear from Eagles insider Dave Spadaro to get his thoughts. The post-game show presented by Rico can be seen on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels.